I'd invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 142. All right, Psalm 142. Listen to this Psalm of David that was written while he was on the run from Saul. I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. Before him I tell my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who know my way. In the path where I walk, men have hidden a snare for me. Look to my right and see, no one is concerned for me. I have no refuge, no one cares for my life. I cry to you, O Lord, I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. And then the righteous will gather about me, because of your goodness to me. Let's pray. Father, as we come to the scripture and look at the life of David again today, I pray that you would encourage all of us who feel like there are those times in our life when we are in desperate need and we don't know where to turn and we wonder, God, do you see and do you care for us? I thank you that your word assures us that you do and I pray that you would minister to each one who is here this morning whatever we need to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there are times when life is good and there are times when life is hard. And often it's a mixture of both, isn't it, really? I mean, in the very same day, you can have the highs and lows of things that were good news that you got and things that were not so good news. And it may be true for you or maybe things that your children are going through or extended family members are going through. And I know that some of you right now are in a season of difficulty. I've spoken with you and you've talked about what's going on in your life. Some are unemployed and looking for work and jobs are hard to find right now. Some are underemployed and trying to make things go or to make that dollar stretch to be able to pay the bills that are coming due. Some of you are caring for aging parents and they are declining in health and others are Uh, have a loved one who has passed away or concern for a loved one who's in the hospital dealing with a serious illness. Some of you may be struggling in a marriage or you know others who are and you are praying for them. And some of you have concerns about children that are not walking with the Lord. I understand that. All of that is a part of our life in this world. And there are seasons again when things seem to be going well for us and times when life is hard. And that's why this topic is such an important one, this good news for cave dwellers as we get into this a little bit farther. We're going to be looking at the life of David again today in this particular psalm that was written at a time when, as I mentioned, he was on the run from Saul and forced to flee and hide in a cave and in this cave he pours out his feelings to God in this psalm that is recorded for us. Now I want to put this into context a little bit more for us. Last week we looked at David's victory over Goliath 
And that was a, a stunning defeat, uh, I mean, a stunning victory for David, defeat for Goliath. It was a victory for the people of Israel as they then routed the Philistines and kind of turned the corner there in their relationship with them. David became an instant hero in Israel. I mean, there were people that were excited about what David had done and the army was behind him, you know, and they're excited about this. The people were cheering him on. Uh, Saul rewarded him. Saul gives him his daughter Michael in marriage, uh, places David in his court. He's a musician playing for him in his court. And all of these things are just great. David's feeling like he's riding the crest of the wave, if you will. And everything's going well until the people begin to sing that Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul his thousands. David is tens of thousands. Well, that doesn't sit well with Saul. It's not good to upstage the king, if you will. And so Saul literally tries to kill David twice with a spear when David was playing in his court. He tried to literally pin him to the wall. David flees. Saul sends soldiers after David. They are to capture him and bring him back, and if they need to, they are to kill him. Saul takes back his daughter from David. He accuses his son, Jonathan, of weakness for being David's friend. And in a great reversal of fortune, David loses his job, his wife, his best friend, his family, in his country as he is forced to live in exile. I talk about a turn of events or a swing and how you're feeling. I mean, going from the top to the bottom real quickly. David is forced into exile among the Philistines. The first place he goes to is the city of Gath, which was the home of Goliath. And they are more than a little suspicious about this guy coming to live among them, as you can imagine. I mean, it seems uh, humorous to us that David would even think of going to Gath, where Goliath had come from. And yet it shows how desperate his situation is. David has to flee the city of Gath. And he goes into the hill country to live in a cave, the cave of Adullam. The cave of failure, John Ortberg calls it. It's a cave of disappointment. It's a cave of discouragement. A cave of loss. Can you imagine that? Going from the king's court to now living in a cold, dark cave in the hill country or wilderness and hoping that the king does not find you there. It's the cave that we find ourselves in at times. And sometimes we are there because of foolish choices we have made. Sometimes we end up in a cave like that because of our rebellion. Or maybe someone got into using drugs and alcohol and it has taken a hold on their life. And they're in a pit. Or maybe that thing that's ensnared you is pornography. Maybe it's an affair. Maybe it's your attitude. You have a bad attitude toward authority, and the result of that is that you have lost your job. 
And when we're there because of choices that we have made, we end up kicking ourselves and going, dumb, it's just so dumb. Why did I do that again? Why? And sometimes we end up in a cave like that because of things that are outside of our control. Sometimes, like in the present state of our economy, people lost jobs and they just didn't see it coming or there was nothing they could really do about that. And you're out of work. Or sometimes there are things that have changed in your circumstances. People find out that their health has changed in a very serious and dramatic way. And it was through nothing that they had done. And when we're in the cave, we wonder things like this. We ask questions like, where is God? Does God see? Does he care about what's going on in my life? Will I ever get out of this cave? Will I die here? Well, the good news is, as John Orberg put it in this series, that God does some of his best work in caves. God does some of his best work in caves. The cave is where God molds us and shapes us. The cave is where some meet God for the very first time. That it it takes that. It takes being broken or humbled or coming to that point of need where people look up and they see that God is there. And so how we handle failure and disappointment is very important. And if you feel like life's pretty good right now and this message doesn't really apply to you today, just wait, just wait. You know, it comes to all of us at different points in our life. So we're going to take a look at this psalm this morning and see what David can teach us as he comes before the Lord. How do we handle failure and disappointment? We're number one, we need to admit it to God when we are in need. And we see that in verses 1 to 4. David came before the Lord and he said, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift my voice to him for mercy. And I pour out my complaint before him. Before him, I tell my trouble. Isn't that interesting? Here's David and he is writing what is called in Scripture a psalm of lament. It's kind of a woe is me, you know. And and he's sharing his needs and, and he's telling God exactly what's going on in his life. God's telling David his troubles. That's what Psalm 142 is. And he says that men have hidden a snare for me. They're literally trying to kill me. I have no refuge. I have no place of safety. And I'm feeling like I have no friends. I mean that there's no one who cares for my life. And isn't that true? When we are in the cave, so often we feel alone in that. Like, does anybody really see? Does anybody really understand what's going on in my life? David was honest with God and he told God exactly how he felt. And sometimes we wonder in our heart, maybe as Christians, we wonder, can I really do that with God? I mean, doesn't that sound a little bit irreverent if I tell him I'm mad at him for what's happened in my life or I'm disappointed in the way that things have gone? God can take it. In fact, God invites us to come to him and be honest about our needs and our life situation. There are examples of other saints in Scripture who have done that. In 1 Kings 19, 9 and 10, for example, Elijah, after this great victory over the prophets of Baal, 
is chased by Jezebel and and uh, they have sent people to take him and to kill him and so Elijah flees for his life into the wilderness he too is in a cave he is alone and he pours out his complaint to God and he feels like God I'm the only one here who's being faithful to you I'm all alone and God met him there and restored this servant to strength and he gave him a new perspective on what he was doing in Israel in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9, the Apostle Paul on one of his missionary journeys shared how he despaired even of life. He had come to a low point where he cried out to God. He thought they were going to die. I mean, he had come to the point in terms of his suffering and persecution where he thought this is it. But the Lord met him and strengthened him. And we can think even about Jesus, who on the cross cried out from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus, in that point of suffering, felt abandoned and alone. And God would come, and he raised him from the dead. David spent ten years running from Saul. Can you imagine that? I mean, during all of that time, God protected him, gave him strength, but there are some very close calls there, as you know from the Scripture. But he spent 10 years running from Saul. And so if we are going through a difficult season in our life and it seems like the Lord is slow in turning this thing around or that this has taken some time, sometimes they do. Sometimes those trials are hard and they are long. They are not easily turned around. But isn't it a comfort to know that some of God's choicest saints and even his son experienced disappointment and suffering and loss? And God used those experiences in their life. And God won the victory. His ways are not our ways. His plans, his purposes are not our plans and purposes. And so it's important for us to come to the scripture to understand what God may be doing in our life as he refines us and molds us and shapes us. But the place to start when we are dealing with those things is to come before God and be honest about what's happening in our life and bring it to him in prayer. It's hard for us, though, to admit our need for God. And yet it is when we admit our need that God can do his best work. It's hard for us to admit when we have failed or when we have sinned or when we're wrong. It's hard for people to admit when they have an addiction to alcohol, to drugs, to pornography, to other things. It's hard to admit that. And bring that out into the light and get the help that we need. And yet it is when we admit those things to God and to someone that we trust that God can do his best work. So we come to the second point of what we see in David's relationship with the Lord was that David placed his trust in God and so must we. And we see that in verse 5 when he says, I cry to you, O Lord, and I say that you are my refuge. You are my portion in the land of the living. God, you are my treasure, my inheritance. You are my place of safety. And just like David, we go to the Scriptures 
to be reminded of God's promises and who He is and what He has promised to do for us. And when we go to the Scriptures, we see verses like this where the Lord says, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. That God is always with us. He is always there and we can turn to Him. In Psalm 32, 8, He says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. I mean, if we need wisdom from God, He comes to us and He says, Come and ask Me and I will direct you. I'll show you what it is that you should do. And in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus said, Come to Me, all you that are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Come and lay those burdens at My feet and come and learn from Me and I will give you rest and peace. It is a great gift to know that we are loved by God even when we fail. Isn't that good news? That even when we fail, that God loves us and He cares about us and He is there to pick us up. You know, the church is one of the places where we should model that kind of love that in our attitude toward one another, that this is a place where we can admit our failings or admit our needs, be honest about that, and where we can find love and acceptance and encouragement and support and accountability to grow and to change. Many of you know the name Larry Crabb. He is a Christian counselor that God's used in Uh, the lives of many people through the years. I have heard him speak at conferences too and really appreciate his ministry. When Larry Crabb was a young man in a church just like ours, you know, and their church, just as we do, they encourage uh, young students and young adults to be involved in ministry. They wanted them to get involved in the life of the church and begin to use their gifts and discover how God may use them in the future. And so one of the areas where Larry Crabb was given an opportunity to serve one time was to pray for communion. And he was really nervous about it. The idea of praying in front of everybody who knew him in the church and praying out loud was really scary. And especially for Larry Crabb because he he had a tendency to stutter. He had a speech impediment. And when he got up to pray that morning, he said, "I I just totally blew it. I, th- I think I prayed something like, thank you to the Father for dying on the cross for us, and thank you to Jesus for raising the Holy Spirit from the, from the grave. You know, he just got everything turned around when he was flustered and up front, and he felt like finding a place that he could just crawl into a hole and hide. I mean, after the service, he didn't want to see anybody. And so when the service ended, you know, he made a bolt for the door. And when you know, one of the elders in the church, a man named Jim Dunbar, met him before he could get out the side door. And he said, you know, he's thinking, here it is. I'm going to be, you know, rebuked or corrected or whatever. And instead, what Jim Dunbar said to him that morning was he said, Larry, there's one thing I want you to know that whatever you do for the Lord, I am behind you 1,000%. And Crabb reflected in his book on this. He said, even as I write these words, my eyes fill with tears. I have yet to tell that story to an audience without at least mildly choking up. 
because those words were life for me that day. They had power, and they reached deep into my being. It was a word of grace, a word of encouragement and hope. And we need that, don't we? When we feel like we've failed or we've blown it, we need somebody there to come alongside of us. I love the story about Bart Starr, too. There's a name from the past of a quarterback from a long time ago. I thought I'd tell this story for Jason in the second service since Jason's a Green Bay fan. But Bart Starr would tell about with his young son when he was in elementary school, he was struggling. And so as a way to encourage his son, there would be days when, you know, that report card came home or a paper came home and he wanted to encourage his son. And he would leave a note on his pillow and he'd put a dime there. A dime there. Probably today with inflation it'd have to be a dollar or more. (laughs) But uh, he would leave that there and say, you know, I'm proud of you or I believe in you or good job. Well, one day in a football game, Bart Starr didn't have such a good game. Threw a couple interceptions and Green Bay lost. And when he came home that night after the game on his bed, on the pillow, was a note from his son and a dime that said, I believe in you, Dad. I'm proud of you. And you know, we need that. We need that encouragement from family. We need it from our spouse. We need it from our parents. We need it in the body of Christ. And that's how much God loves us, even when we feel like a failure. So we come to God and we admit our need. We come and we place our trust in Him. And then thirdly, we come and we ask God for help. And we see that in verses 6 and 7. David writes, Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. And set me free from my prison that I may praise your name. I mean, you can imagine David in a situation. He's in a cave. The walls are closing in in a sense. It's cold and dark. That cave might seem on one side like a place of safety. On the other side, it may seem like a trap, a snare. And he's thinking of Saul and his army and David. Who am I? I have no way to defend myself. God, my only hope is you. And so he cries out to him and goes, God, rescue me from those who pursue me. Set me free from my prison that I may praise you. Short, specific requests. You know, that's how Jesus taught us to pray too. In the Lord's Prayer, what does he tell us to pray? He teaches us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Short, simple, to the point. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Deliver us from evil. Short, specific requests. Prayer doesn't need to be long to be heard. Short and to the point is just fine when we pray with humility and grace. That's what Paul writes in Philippians 4, 6, and 7 when he says, Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So don't be anxious, don't fret, don't worry. Bring those things to God in prayer. Short and sweet, it's just fine. Tell God your need and trust Him to work. And the God of peace will guard your heart and your mind.
Tony Campolo was preaching in a church in Oregon. And when he was there, there was a man in that church that was dying of cancer. And the wife of that man asked Tony if he would pray for him that morning. And so they went to a side room and they came and they prayed along with others and he placed his hands on him and prayed for him that morning. In the middle of the week, Tony got a call from the man's wife and he had passed away. He had died three days later. And Tony said, I felt terrible about that. And she said, don't feel bad. When he came into that church last Sunday, he was filled with anger. I mean, he was angry at God. This man was 58 years old. He wanted to see his children and grandchildren grow up. He was angry that God did not take away his sickness and heal him. And so he would lie in bed, and she said there were times when he was just he would curse God. And the more his anger toward God grew, the more miserable he was to everybody around him. It was an awful thing to be in his presence. But after you prayed for him, there was a peace that came over him and even a joy in his heart. And Tony, the last three days have been the best days of our lives. We have sung, we have laughed, we've read scripture, we've prayed. She said, oh, they have been wonderful days. And I called to thank you for placing your hands on him and praying for healing. And then she said this, something incredibly profound. She said, he wasn't cured, but he was healed. He wasn't cured, but he was healed. And sometimes what we need more than that physical healing even is that change in heart and attitude and our relationship with God or our understanding of who he is and what he may be doing in our life. When we come to that point of trust and rest in him and we find strength or we find peace or we find hope and encouragement, look to Jesus and be healed. God does some of his best work in caves. Isn't that an encouragement? To know that if you feel like you're in a cave this morning, that God is there. And he does some of his best work there. He molds us and shapes us. He meets us there and he gives us strength. He can even raise the dead as he did with Jesus. And he comes alongside of us in those times of need to encourage us or give us strength. And he uses people in the body of Christ to come and to be that support and that person who will walk with us through those trials. So where are you today? Are you struggling with something this morning? Do you have a need that's on your heart? Would you tell God your need? And would you trust in Him? And would you ask Him for His help? And then watch and see what God will do. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. And as we do, I just want everybody here, in a sense, to fill in the blank. God, you know what's going on in our life today. You know the challenges that we face. You know people that we are praying for and concerned about. And Father, you know all of that. 
And I pray that today you would do that work in our heart that would give us strength or hope or encouragement or the will to persevere and to hold on to you even though the trial seems to be going on. And Lord, if we've got just a crummy attitude, would you change that? And would you fill us with your joy and your peace and your patience this morning? Father, you know what we need. And we cry out to you as your children. In Jesus' name, amen.